Well, good morning, saints. Thank you for coming. You knew I was coming, and you came anyhow. It's amazing. <clears throat> we could have had the most powerful sermon imaginable this morning if you could experience what I've experienced in the last hour. I had three people talk to me about three transformational, physical, miraculous healings in their lives, one of which happened two weeks ago. I want to implore those of you who spoke to me, if your church doesn't know that story, they need to hear it. I will ask you to ask the Lord, do you want me to somehow make sure my story gets told? I was tempted. If I were the pastor, I would probably have done it, but I have to do what I'm supposed to do. I was, I was tempted to say to each of you who talked to me, that should be the sermon today. You all know who I'm talking to. So think about it. Ask the Lord how, you, how he wants you to steward the miracle. It's one of my biggest battles these days. How do I steward the miracle? Now, I'm going to do a couple new things today. I'm going to do something I've never done before at the start of a sermon that I can remember. That doesn't mean I haven't done it. But We are called to a very, very narrow way following Jesus. I could list what that means. It is different than culture. It's different than most church cultures. The biblical Christian, it's a narrow way. And there are probably several, if not many people here, who you know the narrow, steep, uphill walk with Jesus. You know it in your head. But this week, you, you're aware that, that you didn't gain ground in the narrow way. You, 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 they weren't bad things, but you drifted off and wasted time or, or experience or relationships, and you drifted... And because of that, there's a, there's a little bit of a fog, a little bit of shame. We sing the songs and you think, man, I didn't, I, I didn't. And, and there's that stuff coming at you. Or maybe there's some here who you're aware that God has specifically called you to do something and you didn't do it. Or he told you not to do things and you did them anyhow. And you're living either with false condemnation or real conviction I want to say to you, can you right now, before we move on, will you right now say, oh, Lord, I praise you for your goodness, your mercy, your kindness, and I confess that you have said, but I didn't. I didn't mean to, I forgot, or maybe I knew it. Either way, Confess it. That means agree with God. Think the way God thinks about it. Receive his full and absolute, total welcome response and get free. Get free. So you can hear him. Just get it out of the way. Get it out of the way. Everybody understand what I'm saying? Just get it out of the way. I'm, I'm really tied up with a... a I'm hosting a summit next week. Three days, I'm talking way more than I should. And 
I'm trying to get ready for that. And so this morning, I was going to just give you a message that I do at my regular conferences. I got about five of them, and, and, and I know them, and they're really good, and, and I could do them. And it wouldn't take any time to prepare, hardly, you know, a few minutes. And, but as I was doing my regular time walking through Scripture this week, I came just, just chance, came, I was heading right into Philippians, and I came to Philippians 121. There it, no, yeah, there it is, right there. Good, thank you. Good deal. And, and I realized that that is something that had worked deeply into my soul after, and forgive me for referring to this too much, but after the miracle, and as I looked at it and simmered on it, I was convicted, I need to develop this. I need to let this be part of my testimony. See, one of my great pains is I don't know how to glorify God adequately. I'm brokenhearted that I can't praise him the way he deserves. But I'm working at it, so all is well. So anyhow, this morning you'll get another practice run, okay? And I'm not talking about preaching. I'm talking about, I just, and, and we're getting better at it. Boy, I've got a lot of stories happening. But so I'm going to practice on you again. Is that a, we, we preachers, we're all practicing anyhow. So you get to listen to our meanderings. So here it is today. I'm going to talk with you about a very familiar verse. To live is Christ and to die is gain. How many, you, you know that very well. Yeah, it's there. And, and so I'm just going to muse with you. I'm actually kind of taking a cue from Debbie, who you might remember when she told the story two weeks ago. She looked at me and she said, are you going to tell about all the long nights in the hospital? And I said, <laughs> well, you're going to get it today. So here we go. All right. So to live is Christ and to die is gain. I had two very serious options about how to die. Instantly or painfully over time, but I would die either way. There was nothing doctors could do. And out of that, I spent a, at least one long night, and again, I'm, everything I say that is inaccurate, I just blame COVID brain for it. It has nothing to do with my age. So anyhow, I spent nights, but especially one night in agonizing and meaningful conversation with Jesus, which I want to do nonstop because I'm to pray continually. And then after the miracle, not during it or during the long night, but afterwards, I saw this eerie, this almost, it was, I don't know what to call it. It was just, ooh, this weird, that's the wrong word. But parallel with Paul's experience recorded here in, first, in Philippians 1, 21. So you're going to get it today, all right? And I'm hoping that it'll help me to better know how to glorify Jesus. For to me, to live is Christ. That's going to be the last half of the message. And to die is gain. That's going to be the second quarter of the message. Just telling you where we're going, all right? If I am to go on living in this body, or the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet, what shall I choose? I was told to decide. That's going to be the first quarter of the message. I don't know. I'm torn. This is Paul talking, not me. But it's me. That's where I was. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart 
and be with Christ, which is better by far, but it's more necessary for you. For you. Not about me, for you. <laughs> that I remain. Hmm. So, should we go for it? Jesus, thank you for every person who is here. My faith is in you to truly do what's already been prayed for and talked about, to strengthen every one of us in you. Amen? Okay, so, first quarter of the message, what shall I choose? Actually, it's not really true. It's about the first eighth, but it's in the first quarter. What shall I choose? Here's Paul. He says, I do not know what to do. It's, we, it's eerie. Paul is saying, I don't know if to live or die, as if it was in his keeping. You know, I'm, I, I, I don't know. I'm torn between the two. Paul's wrestling. He's torn between to live, which is Christ, or to die, which is better. Choice. What would be better? It's very interesting. I was taken by it. Paul thinks it's in his court. Did you, have you ever thought about that? Interesting. So, that was me. The doctors stood in front of me. I can see them. They're forever pacing my mouth, looking at me, saying, your lungs have been gone for 12 days. They're dead. They're not working. They won't work. They can't be healed. There's nothing we can do. You've got to make a choice. You keep hanging on here. They didn't say it like that. Forgive me. Uh, you don't know who they are, so I, it's not slander. It's just what I was hearing. Okay? We can make it very easy for you to die. We'll just take you off that which has kept you alive for 12 days. You couldn't have lived without it. You'd have been dead without it. 65 liters of oxygen. Take you off that, give you meds, you'll be asleep, you'll be gone. Painless. Sounded pretty good. Or you, you said originally that you didn't want to be kept alive artificially. You gave us permission to put you on a ventilator, but we want to tell you that if we do that, there is no chance based on all of your, your whole situation, which I went over last time, there is no way that you're going to survive the ventilator and if by some crazy chance you do, your life will be horrific. You will be a mess. You will not be able to be out of the hospital. We can't put this equipment into a nursing home or into your house. You, you're just, you, and, and the doctor said, I do not recommend the ventilator to you, even though I'd given him permission to do it. But you have to give us the word. Huh, I had a choice. Sounds like Paul, about the only way I'm like him. <laughs> have you ever read Paul's story? Amazing. So, there I am, being told to hurry up. We later found out they needed my bed because I was gone. I was done. They had a lot of people in line who they might be able to save. They couldn't save me. You understand. So, what shall I choose? But there was another option that was in me that Jesus, through Scripture and the Spirit and his people, 
kept before me. Ask anything in my name. There are so many scriptures that are just blatant. They're just matter of fact, no nice little uh, nuances of, well, maybe or possibly. They just blatantly say things like, ask anything in my name and it'll be done for you. If you abide in me, my words abide in you. Ask anything in my name and it'll be done for you. In hope against hope. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Faith is being certain of what we hope for. If you hope to live, then believe. Faith is being certain of what you hope for. And I'm not even touching this. I mean, the, the numbers of Scripture. I could appeal for more time, wait for a miracle, fight for faith. And I was talking about there are small F facts. The small F facts are what I see with my eyes, what I hear with my ears, what I experience in my body. Those are small F facts. They are facts. They are real. They're material. They're actual. But then there's God's truth. It's the capital T, capital R, capital U. God's truth. Small f facts, but truth. Choice. I was wrestling. Do you get the picture? I was wrestling. To request a third option, to look the doctor in the face and say, I know that you've told me this isn't one of my options. But I, I would like to just, let's not pull the plug and let's not put me on the ventilator. Let's just give me more time. That, yeah, we already gave you 12 days past what we should have. And I know we weren't having that conversation, but that's what was going on. But to request more time was to tacitly say, I'm waiting for God to do something. I'm one of those weird ones. I believe that there's more than small f facts. I believe that there is a God who, by his voice, created the universe. I believe there's a God who resurrects from the dead. I'm not quite dead yet. That was all implicit in my requesting for more time. I want, I put this in because I want to say to you, my faith, up and down, sometimes vibrant, sometimes victorious, because I, I actually believed what God said. My faith was greatly strengthened and often recovered because there were times when I was just looking at two options. Die now, die later, die. Often at this start, when, when the whole thing started, when it went in the hospital 25 days earlier, my family agreed, and they're all very, very busy. I'm looking at some people who are very busy, and you understand being busy. And they all committed to getting on a Zoom call every night at 8 o'clock. And so we, we had 10 adults and any number of grandkids on a call every night at 8 o'clock. And they would talk. And they would pray. And regardless of what I'd heard from doctors or experienced in my body during the day that caused me to kind of drift from what God said to, okay, this is my option. 
at the end of the prayer meeting where truth was proclaimed. Faith comes by hearing, and faith would be restored, and we'd say goodbye, and I hated it because I'd be back alone again, but I believed, and we need each other because, forgive me, we're weird. Do you know that? You walk to the beat of a different drummer. You believe there is a God who created and sustains and is in the act of redeeming. You believe that. You believe he's came to live in you and he's come to transform you and redeem you and restore you. You believe all that stuff. You believe he talks to you. You believe you hear God. They've got place for people like that, you know. We need each other. Almost everybody fights for faith. Mine was greatly strengthened by the prayer meeting. Do you have a prayer meeting here? If not, that's none of my business. Well, it actually is, because I care. If you don't, start one. If you got two, start four. We need prayer meetings that are more than just asking, but we listen to God, we get it. This is a prayer meeting because hopefully you're going to hear the word of the Lord. And the most important part of praying is listening, not talking. Would you agree with that? I mean, God really actually knows quite a bit of what you're going through. Sorry, you're supposed to. So, my faith was greatly strengthened. So, now let's go back to Paul. One of his options to die is gain. Oh, okay. That's one of the things that Paul was considering as he's in jail. This is written, this book is written from jail to a place where he was thrown in jail. Paul was just a jailbird. So he says, okay, to die. That, that sounds pretty good. See, why? Well, to escape the bitter. I mean, Paul said... I want, I desire, I don't know how strong it was, sound pretty strong. I want to get free from prison life and a battered body and governments and churches and even the Philippians. If you read the whole book, you'll see he had two major problems with the church right in Philippi, his favorite church. Let me read for you. Lord, help me not to preach about this. Just read it. I want to read from 2 Corinthians 11. You've all heard it. He's being criticized as not being enough of an apostle because his message is being attacked by others. That's part of the history. So he says, I've worked much harder, been in prison more frequently. Who's kidding? Been flogged more severely. Been exposed to death again and again. This is Paul. This this is... This is what we're talking about here. What he's saying, I kind of like to get out of here. Now, he didn't say it like that. But I desire to depart. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Anybody see the passion of the Christ? Anybody see that? Many of you. Do you remember the 39 that Jesus took? <laughs> Paul had five. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the sufferings 
Five times Paul went through what we saw Jesus going through one time. I'm not meaning to, you understand what I'm saying. Paul had gone through it. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned and left for dead. They didn't say it here. Three times I was shipwrecked. You'd think maybe the second and third time he'd think twice about buying a ticket. I mean, you'd think you'd learn, get a little wisdom. I spent a night and a day on the open sea. I've been constantly on the move, running, running. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen. I'm a Jew. They're after me. In danger from the Gentiles. They're after me. That Jews and Gentiles, everybody's after him. In danger in the city. In danger in the country. That's almost everywhere. In danger at sea. And in danger from false brothers. I've labored and toiled. I'm thinking what's going through my head is Paul saying, follow me as I follow Christ, which accidentally he said in this very chapter. Follow me as I follow Christ. We don't have a theology of suffering because we're Americans. Forgive me. It's not our fault. We're, we're very grateful, aren't we? But we've come to assume because our culture has been nice to us that we shouldn't ever be persecuted. You might want to rethink that so that you don't compromise, so that you stand even in the face of persecution. I've labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst, gone without food. I've been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. I don't know if Paul was thinking about all that. But he said, I desire to depart. I wouldn't be surprised if all that's going through his mind. <laughs> my body is battered. And I, everybody's government, church. Man, it'd be kind of good to just go home. I'd be tempted. In fact, I was. Why? Well, not just escape the bitter, but I want Paul saying, I want to experience the best. I desire to be... With him who I stare at, who I love, who loves me, and I love him because he first loved me. And I, I, I would love to be in the perceived, experienced embrace of Jesus and, and the sweet fellowship of one who gave his life for me to whom I gave my life for. Oh, that's going to be good. I, I want to be with Christ. Not only free from all the stuff of life, but having fought a good fight and kept the faith to be welcomed warmly into the presence of Christ with the crown of righteousness. Paul says, oh, that sounds good. Does it sound good? When you consider the options, Paul has a choice to make. Sounds good. So let me go back to me. I won't tell you all of this. One of my initial conversations when I was looking at saying, okay, do it in. I've already, I mean, go ahead. Take it. Take my life. I thought about Debbie. I probably wasn't thinking clearly, but it seemed clear at the time. The doctors were amazed, and I, I, I give, this is to the glory of God, 
they told Debbie, I didn't know this, they told Debbie over and over that they were shocked by my coherency through what I was experiencing because I'd argue with them. <laughs> They'd say, yeah, but what about this? And how about that, 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 that? So I'm thinking about Debbie. And my thoughts were, she'll be fine. She doesn't need me. She'll be fine. I did call up someone and say, okay, if I, and I don't know if Debbie knows this, um, if I do this, will you make sure she gets a car? Because we're beggars and bums. We're driving someone else's car. But my mind went, she'll be fine. thought about my eight grown children, four children, four spouses. Man, they're rolling. Grandchildren, but they got great parents. They're good. So I went through my, and, and I thought, okay, okay, it's all right. And, and then I went through my history. And I thought about the life that I'd lived. And everyone calls me intense. And, and I finally figured out what they meant is I was intentional. And, and I thought back to that Jesus knew and knows. Jesus, you know, and I'm staring him in the eye. You know, you know that I decided to follow you. You know that they accused me of being a bit narrow, but you know that I was always seeking to follow you. I was trying to be authentic. And as I went through my history, thought about it in the presence of Jesus, I began to have, not, I put peace up there. It was better than peace. It probably started with peace. But then I had joy. And I thought about seeing Jesus. And I wept with joy because I felt, I felt that he would say, well done, welcome. I knew it. And, and I thought, whoa, that's good. That's good. So we continue the conversation. And, and as I thought about my life, I thought, well, facts be told, there were a lot of times when I was ignorant. I, I didn't know. And then there were a lot of times that were worse than being ignorant. I thought I knew when I didn't. Or I knew part of the truth, but I didn't make it the big picture. But I'm not saved by what I know or what I think or my doctrine. I'm saved by you who sees the heart. And my heart is good toward you. And you know that, and I know that you know that. And I, I, I was ready. I, I, I was more than ready. I was, I, I, let's, let's get it. Let's do it. Okay, doc, pull off the ventilator. I mean, the, pull off the oxygen. I was ready. And I kept thinking, what about my performance? Oh, my, that's embarrassing. I mean, I mean, you called me, and I knew it. I got it. But I wasn't mature enough to live what you called me to. I, I mean, I intended to. I wanted to. I put my faith in you to help me, and somehow in the process, there's just a lot of things you've told me to do that aren't being done yet, and, and, but, but I'm not saved by how good I am or how well I do. I'm, my performance, I, I, I'm saved by your grace that, that, that sees my repentance and my faith in you is, is weak and 
shallow as it is, and I was ready. I'm, I was thrilled. I agreed with Paul. Jesus, I want to be with you. And, and those were good moments. I can't describe them. I mean, I might have been a little bit loony. I don't know. But, but I, I, w- I was euphoric in the presence of Jesus. And I thought, I've done all I could. I fought a good fight. And this would be an easy transition. I, I've been around a while. You have too. I, I know people who didn't suffer for 25 days. I know people who suffer for 25 months, 25 years, or horrific, horrific, painful death. And, and, and all I had to do was say, okay, and it'd be over. That'd be easy. And an eternal life, which he's having for decades been and done everything I could to be faithful, having knowing they said, well done, good and faithful servant, have, having all that in mind, and I, and I was about ready to say, okay, cut off the oxygen. But there was something uneasy. There were questions. Was I being tempted once again to run ahead of Jesus? come to my own decision, rely on my own understanding, and not follow? Which is the fight of my life. You know, I invited him in because I trusted him, and so I I determined I I would not rely on my own understanding, but I trusted him with all my heart and follow him. I I, I signed up to deny myself, take up my cross, and follow him. So... Am I, am I being tempted to make my own decision, or is that you, Lord? Are you telling me to have them? I mean, it makes sense. Come on, doesn't it? To have them take me off oxygen? Or, or is that me? Am I rationalizing, using reason to excuse, to justify my desire for an easy transition? Because I, I don't, I'm a chicken. I don't want to die a hard death. And, and I, all I have to do is say, okay, and it's over. Have I built a case to justify dying? Or, or even worse, and this didn't hit me till after the fact. I didn't think this in the hospital. After the fact, I thought, you know, I think... I was being seduced by an agent of the father of lies, the, the killer, the thief who comes to destroy. I think, I, I can't prove it either way, I, I think that in that moment, as I was looking all the good and easy for me and made sense, I wonder how much of that was being influenced by an enemy who wanted to snuff out my life. Well, let's go back to Paul. You keeping up with me? Back and forth. So, Paul had another option. To live is Christ. Huh. Well, to die is gain. Sounds good. But to live is Christ. Now, that's kind of a... What does that mean? To live is Christ. I hope to get there today. Paul said, 
if I live, there will be fruitful labor that will benefit God, it'll benefit others, and sooner or later it'll benefit me. Everyone will, it'll be a win, win, win if, if I live. Again, here's Paul kind of, it's, it's like he's thinking, it's my choice. Do you hear that? I mean, he's wrestling, assuming. So if I live, fruitful labor. But then he goes on. I'm, I'm leading. It seems more necessary for others that I remain to do whatever good I can do for them. Oh, it's not about I'm ready to go. I mean, that'd be nice. But if I stay, I could probably almost certainly benefit others and maybe it's not about me. For I've been crucified with Christ and Jesus didn't come to be served but to serve. I don't know what all went through Paul's mind even as he's writing this in prison. So... He says, convinced. Oh, so, so now he's had the wrestling match, and he says, I'm convinced. I got, I got it figured out that, I was still, that he was still helpful. Paul made his choice. I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. I'm going to stay here. I, I could have gone, but I'm going to stay here for your progress, for your joy in the Lord. And, and I, I think I'm going to skip... Oh. Paul, Paul seemed to have faith that if he figured out what God wanted, that that's what would happen. Because I don't think he was contemplating suicide. You know, how else is he going to die? So Paul seemed to have faith for continuing to live based on his conviction that his living was God's highest and best. i tell you what I think happened. I think the same Holy Spirit who dwells in you, that dwelled in Paul, kept talking to him. Kept talking. Paul's looking. Man, die, live. And the Holy Spirit kept pestering, pastoring him. The good shepherd kept pastoring him. And finally, Paul came to a conclusion that was not his own idea. It was a good and perfect idea. Where does every good and perfect idea come from? Hello? I think God the Spirit that Paul talk, taught about finally got through to him. It wasn't that he quit talking. as that Paul had all the junk to work through. So I think that faith comes by hearing, and I'm not sure about this. This is all conjecture. I'm not sure about this, but it seems like the Holy Spirit finally got through to Paul and Paul believed the word of the Lord and therefore announced by faith that he would live. And maybe, just maybe, now I'm really messing in theological water here, maybe, just maybe, the marriage of the groom and the bride, the body and the head, came to be one, the two became one, and God's word, believed by Paul, resulted in the miracle of Paul living. Because, as is your faith, 
so shall it be unto you. Oh, my goodness. So that's six hours to mess with if you like to think abstractly about truth. So, but he seemed, my, my point is that he seemed to have faith. Okay, I'll keep on living. And he, I'm sure he wasn't contemplating suicide, so he had to be thinking about, God, are you going to take me or are you going to let me live? It seems like he came to the conviction that he was going to live. But that created faith in him. And maybe the faith, maybe, just maybe, 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 the faith had something to do with him living because he thought he was going to, ah, who knows? These are what theologians sit around and mess around, wasting all God's time thinking about. No. So, what about me? What about me? To live as Christ? As I was contemplating dying, another reality kept pestering me. <laughs> Here it is. My will, the spirit is willing, the flesh is weak. My will, my spirit is ready. My will, I have decided to follow Jesus. It's said in cement, it's been for decades. My will is ready. But the rest of my heart, my soul, my thought life, my emotions, my habits, my desires, far from ready. I'm still an immature brat. I want to do this, and I don't. I'm committed to this, and I come short. I say I'm going to trust you, Jesus, and I run ahead. You are not formed in me yet. I'm informed, but I'm not formed. I don't... I went through this in tears. I don't want to bring... I mean, I, I'm, I'm not at all disappointed about my best efforts, but, but even in my efforts to believe, my efforts to follow, they were well-intended, but, but my soul, I, I don't want to bring and offer to you, Jesus, a soul. I want us to be soul partners. My, my soul isn't formed yet. It's well-intended. It's enlightened, and there's some progress. But I want more. I, you called me a long time ago to walk as you walked. You called me to, to not lead but to follow. You called me to be led by your spirit, not for my flesh to govern. And, and my soul needs more time. I, I'm not ready. I need to be tested more. I, I, I don't know about this. I imagine that what I take into eternity is what I take because there won't be a test in heaven. I don't know how that works. But now is the testing time. and my, I'm, not mature, I'm not where I want to be in my heart. My intentions are good. But, but I want, I need more time because I want to offer you something like you offered me. I'm not so good at denying myself and taking up my cross. Oh, I've, I've got the easy things covered. But when you get down deep and deep and authentic, I still lead a lot and I don't follow. My will is ready, but the rest of my heart far from ready. Christ, Lord Jesus, you're not formed in me yet. Paul prayed, he said, my I'm in despair until you, the church, till Christ is formed in you, Galatians 4.19. So, clarity and zeal and passion begin to arise. I needed more time. I needed more time. I must appeal. I got to tell the doc, hey, 
option one is no good because I'll die. Option two is no good because I'll die. How about option three? Just could I have some more time? I know you need the bed. I know I'm a jerk for hanging on and blah, blah. I went through. Who knows all that I was thinking? But I am persuaded now that the Holy Spirit finally got through to me because it looked good to me to die. But I believe he was doing what he always does, teaching, reminding, convicting. And finally, this thick head heard him. Well done, but more work to be done, not on others, but on you. And I believe that the Holy Spirit finally got through. And faith comes by hearing. And I, I had faith rising. Enough to say, can we have more time? Give us more time. Faith comes by hearing. Even though as small as a mustard seed, faith enough to fight was rising in me. Faith enough to not give up. And what a treasure it is, the word of the Lord. God talks to us all the time. People say, I don't hear God's voice. And I, no, 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 you hear it. You just don't recognize it. Well, when you're trying to figure out if to live or die, things get mucky. And it took me a long time to get clear. But I could tell I was ready to fight it against the doctors who gave me two choices. I said, how about a third option? Because there was enough faith, not much, but enough to say, maybe, just maybe, just maybe, if you give me some more time, God might do a miracle. You said there's nothing to be done, but you didn't count, you didn't factor in the God who made me and made everyone. That's not in your way of thinking. I marched to the beat of a different drummer. Sounds easy now. It wasn't in the night. So, I heard Jesus saying something like this as I came to my senses. Remember how long it took Jesus in the garden? Three hours. Remember? Three hours to fight through, to clarity. Is God worth spending time with to get clear? So I heard Jesus say, I called you to walk as I walk, to do nothing apart from the Father, to, to bring every thought captive. To, to not speak, to not act until you've checked with me because I live in you. You invited me to live in you and we're together and, and you agreed to trust me and that's what I invited you. That's what I called you to, to give thanks and everything, to test everything. I finally, that, that began to roll through my mind. That, that's what I'm called to, but I'm not good at it yet. Okay, I need more time. hope this will take me back. And I said to Jesus, I'm not where you've called me to be. I'm not ready to go. I need and desire more time to strengthen our relationship. I don't want to stand before you with my soul so immature. I want to offer something better to you. And I don't know, I don't know if I'll have a chance throughout eternity. I, I kind of, I think we'll keep growing, but I don't know if we'll be tested like we are here. Jesus said, your life could, and now this is written on a PowerPoint, but your life could still become a desperately needed picture for the church and the world if you live this reality that everyone desperately needs to see 
and not just hear about. They need to see it. And they need to experience the Word becoming flesh. See, that's who Jesus was. And we are the body of Christ. The Word is to become flesh through us, which means we have to defer. So the flesh doesn't govern, but the Word governs our thoughts, our desires, our words, our acts. Walking as I walked by the truth of my word and the leading and power of my spirit. And Jesus said, further, for the masses to see me through my body, much more is needed than platform ministry. My ministry and strategies and commands of making disciples must be multiplied. See, the church is still to do a whole lot more than listen to sermons. We got to live together, and the parents must disciple the young, the 40-year-olds, the 20-year-olds. We're not doing that very well yet. And the Lord said, I've called you to that. I've given you processes. It's not happening very much. Your life could be a help. So, the rest of my story, I didn't have to talk to the doctors because, pow. Before they came in the next day, in fact, when they came in, they looked at the chart and said, this is the wrong chart. This is not Hal Perkins. He can't, this can't happen. Give me the right chart. Pow, a miracle. Dead lungs came alive. So for me to live as Christ sounds nice. What does it mean? Let me take, are you good for a couple more minutes? You know what a couple means? I'm watching the clock. Let me push through some things. For me to live as Christ means this. To live is to know Christ, to know him. Paul said, I want, after Paul had written what I just re spoke to you about, after Paul had gone through all the things I read to you about, Paul said, I want to know Christ, implying I don't know him yet the way I want to. Fair enough? I want to know Christ. I want the two to become one. I want to experience not only the power of his resurrection, but the fellowship of his sufferings. I want to say, Paul, hadn't you had enough yet? The no means the two becoming one. It's the, physically, Abraham knew Sarah, and she conceived physically. We're not dealing with physical here. We're dealing with the very real spirit and soul, the two becoming one. I want to know Christ. I still have thoughts that the Holy Spirit has to show me are not his thoughts. I still have desires that are not his desires. And I want all the muscle and practice I can because Jesus is my life to, to live as Christ. To just I, just I just want progress in bringing every thought captive into obedience you have about 80,000 of them a day. That's a lot of communication. How many of my thoughts do I... How, how, how aware am I of Jesus' presence? I mean, if he were here in the body, I'd talk to him. 
Wouldn't you? Hey, Jesus, what do you think? What do you want? Well, he is here in a body. Amen? And he said that'd be better than him being next to me. So I want to know Christ means for me to live is knowing Christ. I want to be so aware of this glorious God who's worthy of every part of my life that I don't run ahead of him, but I'm aware of him. And we talk before this mouth talks. And we talk before this decision is made. And, and I let him have my life. For me to live is Christ means I got to know Christ. Does that make sense? Does that, does that make sense? I'm not trying to talk mystically or philosophically. I'm talking about real experience. I have a thought. I have a lot of thoughts. Jesus, is that you? Because I do have the mind of Christ. But I got a lot of my own stuff still going on. Amen? You can't see chocolate cake and not have something, well, whatever it is that you like. Same thoughts, same desires, same habits. I want to know Christ. For me to live is to know Christ. Better, better, better. Moment by moment. Because that's how Jesus lived. The, the, my message that has convicted me, and I'll probably say this, I'll say it now in case I don't say it later. Jesus, remember, he the reason that he was empowered to walk on water, the reason he was empowered to heal the sick, the reason he was empowered to stretch out his hands and say, Father, forgive them. He had character. He had power. Was because he didn't do anything on his own. He left his power behind or would never use it. However, whatever that is, he never did anything by innate supernatural power. He was indwelt and empowered by the Holy Spirit, but he never did anything independently of the Holy Spirit. I don't say anything. I don't do anything apart from my Father. And he called me to walk as he walked, 1 John 2, 6. So to live is to know Christ, I'm called, and I just went to that. I'm called to know Jesus as he knew the Father. Wow, i got a long ways to go. But for me to live is Christ means for me to live is to be aware of his presence and to realize I've been crucified, I'm dead, but now there's two living in here, Hal and Jesus, and Jesus is Lord, not me. And I, I'm called to be led by the Spirit, not walk by the flesh. I hope that makes sense. To live is Christ means this. To live is to believe Jesus, to believe him. Guy came and said, can you heal my son? Jesus said, if I can, everything is possible for him who believes. I, I thought about spending the whole message today talking about faith. Whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you've received it and it'll be yours. It's crazy what the Bible says about our faith, how significant, how effective it is. I want to make just a couple comments. Believing whatever Jesus says about God himself, others, and all situations. Capital T-R-U-T-H, truth. What Jesus says is truth. He is the truth. Believing whatever Jesus says about himself, others, and all situations, in spite, everybody say in spite, 
in spite of what I see and hear and remember. We got choices. We got choices. It's what we see in the natural. It's what we hear in the natural. It's what we remember from the natural. That's real. We don't bury that. It's real. But we got another choice. And that is, it is written. God said. And I'm going with God. I, I can't get that out of my mind. I know it's there. But I'm going to look at God. Faith comes in. I'm going to listen. I'm going to fight. Paul called faith a fight. I'm going to fight to believe what God says in spite of what my mind tells me. I'm not, I'm not going to be, I'm not, I'm not be crazy. But I'm not going to be cave in to being natural apart from God. I'm going to fight for what God said. I'm going to fight for truth. I'm going to keep looking until I actually am better than committed to believing. I'm going to do whatever it takes to live is Christ. For me to live is to believe Jesus. I'm going to do whatever, oh God, help me. I'm going to do whatever it takes to believe what you say, not what my eyes see and my mind tells me. I'm going to fight for the truth. I'm going to fight for it. I'm going to try to say something here that I hope I can say cleanly. When my faith seems in vain, I will not reject you, Jesus, or myself. Lots of times we believe. We're sincere. Maybe we really believe. In fact, we know we believe because we expected something, and when it didn't happen, we were disappointed. We were shocked, which proves we actually believed. And now we're disappointed. So who should we be disappointed in? God? Ourselves? How about, how about we not come to our own conclusions? Let's not, let's not blame God. Let's go with God is good. He is love. God is good. And God's all-powerful. He can do anything. But let's go that God sees what I do not see. And he knows the best good, the highest good for everyone. He knows that, and he loves deeply. And therefore, what I was believing him for may not have been exactly what he sees. My picture of what I thought was God's best may not have been God's best. Let, let's let God off the hook for our disappointments in life that we believed him to fix. And there's a whole, that's a whole seminar, okay? But simultaneously, could we let ourselves off the hook? If you did the best you knew to do in the mess you were in and the thing you were praying for and the thing you were believing for, if you did the best you could do, realize God knows that and says, way to go. I'm building, I'm strengthening. If you didn't do the best you knew to do, Confess it. Repent of it. Receive forgiveness and move on. Let's get the monkey off our back. I shouldn't open these big cans of worms and just talk about them flippantly, but... And I don't have answers. There, I mean, there are some things I'm pretty sure about, but I'm pretty sure there's a lot of stuff that I'm confused about. It's still growing needing to see more clearly. I see through a glass darkly. Debbie and I 
have lifelong friends that we knew long before we knew any of you and we're deeply bonded in Jesus. Their daughter-in-law was diagnosed with severe cancer about 10 years ago. She was the breadwinner. She was a nurse, big salary. Their son was stay-at-home dad. They fought with faith. They believed God to heal. Like no one I know. There were some ups, there were some downs. There were some ups and downs. They buried her a month ago. We don't blame God because he's good. He's really smart. Got all power. Don't let yourself go to, but God, a lot of people are angry at God. That shows you don't know him. It's not on his side. But I want to say to Dan and Carol, don't you dare blame yourself either. You fought a good fight. You did what you did, and if you didn't, confess it and move on. And they don't need to hear that speech from me. In this life, we will have tribulation. We don't understand. Why? It, it haunts me. Why? Lord, forgive me. Why in the world did God heal me? Because I had 10 more people praying for me than others have? Or, or the ones who were praying for me had more faith than... I don't know. Can we, can we be okay with actually, when we don't understand, trusting God and not blaming anyone else and just shining? I believe in God. I don't understand. But I'm not mad at him. I'm not mad at me. I'm not mad at Doc. I'm not mad at... I'm just, I forgive everyone, including myself. I don't need to forgive God because he didn't mess up. I'm going to rejoice in the Lord. In the middle of the prison, my hands are in the stocks. I've been beaten. I'm going to sing praises in the middle of the night because my God is good and he reigns. And I'll understand it by and by. Can we live there? That's better than being in doubt or anger or confusion or giving up. Is anybody awake? To live is to believe Jesus. Faith enough to follow. If the doctor says, you need to do this, and I say, I think I'll get a second opinion. I kind of don't really trust the doctor. Fair enough? Isn't that right? How about we trust Jesus absolutely? Faith enough. If he tells you to do, deny yourself. Take, whatever he tells you to do, how about doing it? Why? Because I trust him. He's pretty sharp. And he's really good. I trust him. How about that? Can we do that? For me, to live is Christ means for me to live is to fight for faith. No matter what. I'm not good at it. And I've got a miracle in my story. I should be good. I don't know what God's going to have to do to get me to grow up. But he's working on it. Tough case. For me, to live as Christ means this. To live is to love Christ. Jesus, for me to live is to live for him who died for me. 
I want every motive to be for you. I don't want to do anything apart from you. I, I, I want to die daily to what I think I want. I want to live for you. I want, my, I want to aggressively say, this noon, this night, this day, tomorrow is not for me. It's for you. I'm not. I live because of you. To live is Christ. Means I love you. Means my motive. I, I want to love you with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. All my strength. Blink at me. That took strength. All my strength. Jesus, for you. You are worthy. I want to live for you. It's, it's not okay for me to be independent when I'm created to be dependent. It's not okay for me to be selfish when I've been crucified and I'm called to die to live for you who live for me. So for me, it's not okay. If you ever ask me what I want and I tell you, say, did you check with Jesus first? Because it doesn't matter what I want. It's not about me. I love Jesus. And I want to live moment by moment for him. Which means... I'll care for and feed every one of his sheep I run into. Do you love me? Then care for, feed my lost lambs, my found lambs, my sheep, my old goats. Just love them all, even the enemies. Just love them. This is love that you demonstrate by loving others that you love me. Jesus, to live is to love others. Where your treasure is, your heart will be haunting verse what I think about what I want reveals who my treasure is Jesus you're my treasure you're my treasure you're the pearl of great price how could I do less than lay down everything I have for you not just passively, but aggressively proactive. You don't have to chase me down. I'm going to chase you. Oh, Jesus, what do you want? What do you think? I'm yours. You're stuck with me. I ain't going to do nothing without you. And I want your will to be done, not mine ever. I want your will. My will is to do your will. Denying myself and taking up my cross to follow, moment by moment. To live is Christ means this. To live is to glorify Christ. Whatever you do, Whatever you do, how? Whether in word or deed, do it all in such a way that people see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Oh, Jesus. I want my life to glorify you. I could have done better. You've given me time now to live is to glorify you. Jesus, help me. Others must see you, Jesus, through me. I want to shout the joyous testimony of being saved, my spirit and my soul, not just my lungs. That's the easy part. The soul is the part that God won't force very often. He can, he can fix lungs. They don't have a choice. He speaks when we're done. The lungs are healed. It's our souls where there's choice and freedom. So, 
One last thing, and I am through. For me, to live as Christ means that my words must glorify him. Do not let any unwholesome word come out of your mouth, but only that which is helpful, which is helpful for building others up. I'm to live for others, the Philippians, the people in Harrisonville. I'm to live in my words. I need to see the good in every person. There's good in every person. The, the worst person you know, there's good in them because God's talking to them, and they, they do some good things. I got to find the good. I got to find the good and say, that was good. Way to go. I think you had help. Well, really? Yeah, I think God's helping you. I want to glorify God because he's the author of every good and perfect. I want to, all the good in the world comes from God. You take it back far enough, it's from God. I want to point to people and say, God's at work. See, God's, God's there. God, isn't that good? Yeah, it's God. He's helping you. He didn't force you, but he made it possible for you to say all the good things, do all the good things. You I want to just tell everyone how much God's helping them because I see so much good in them. It's easy to see what's wrong. Anybody can see that, make judgments. I'm going to look for the good and say things that glorify God. So that people say, really? You think? Yeah, I do. In fact, I know. I'm not being arrogant, I just know. I read the Bible. Amen? Long sermon. Let's stand. Actually, it wasn't that long. It wasn't near as long as a basketball game. And a lot better. Come on. You can say amen. A lot better. Okay. So, how about this? Don't bow your heads unless you want to. Look Jesus in the eyes. Look Jesus in the However, shut your eyes, that helps. However, just imagine Jesus. Hear him saying to me and to you, do you want, do you need to know me better? And just talk to him. Say, Jesus, I need help. I will do what I know to do. I'll do what I can, but I need help. Go ahead. I'm going to go too fast here, but now try this one. Jesus looks at you, and he says, do you need to believe me better? Are you believing what you see and what you remember? and what you experience or what I've said. Do you need, do you need to fight for faith? Would you answer Jesus? I pray almost every day, Jesus, I depend on you to help me depend on you. I'm such a mess. I need your help just to believe you. Let's try two more. First one, Jesus looks at you and he says, do you love me? Do you love me really with all your heart? Do you have agape? Are you ready to lay down your life for me like I did for you? Like Paul did? And 
Just answer him. Just be real. Ask for help. Be honest. I know this is fast. Jesus looks at you and says, do you want to glorify me more, better? How can you do that? Do you need my help? What do you need? Ask. Talk to me. Jesus, thank you that you will help every one of us to say, oh, to die would be gain. But there's things to do. To live is Christ. To know you. To believe you. To love you. To glorify you. Jesus, we need help. Would you help every person here to believe? To actually walk out here believing that you're present to help us. To try to figure out the tension between trusting you and responsibility on our side. Thank you, Lord, for what you will do. Amen? Well, thank you. Thank you. If you ever run out of pastors again, holler. <laughs> Amen? Great to be with you.